Welcome to the Tanakh Podcast. Today, the Book of Micha, Perak Aleph, Chapter 1. And our learning is dedicated, as always, to Chayalei Tzva Haganali Israel for their success and safety, for the swift return of all the hostages, and to the healing of all the wounded in this war in Gaza. Today we start Sefer Micha. Micha is the fourth of a series of Arba Nabiim Shenit Nab'u four prophets who prophesied. Um, in the lead-up to the destruction that the Assyrians would wreak on both the kingdom of Israel and Yehuda, and they are predicting all of this. This was such a devastating event, the, the arrival of the Assyrians, that it, we seem to have sort of a national coverage. We have Amos from Tekoa and Hoshea, who lives in the north, prophesying in the north, in Bethel and Shomron. And then in the south, in Yehuda, we have Yishayahu in Yerushalayim, and now Micha who lives in Maresha, which is near today's Bet Guvrin, just south of Bet Shemesh, in the foothills of the Judean hills. And they're all prophesying about the destruction that is going to happen. Let's take a look um, at the prophecy. He comes from Morisha. So, first of all, he is there literally. Achaz had already capitulated to the Assyrians and all the way through to Chizkiyahu, uh, who resisted the Assyrians. And he speaks about the north, which he calls Shomron, and the south, that he calls Jerusalem. Um, the trouble that he warns about is almost described in, 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 in the way that we imagine, you know, maybe Harsinai, God coming down on Harsinai. Because he says, um, Hashem Elohim Bachem Laid, God is going to be a witness. Hashem Mechal Kodcho, God is coming from his holy abode. Hine Hashem Yotzimim Komobiarad, Vedarach Al Bamote Aretz. God is going to come down from his heavenly abode and he is going to stride on the heights of the earth, on the hills, and the hills will melt. Venamasu Heharim Tachdav, Vamakimit Bakau. And the valleys will burst open, like wax before fire, like water cascading down a slope. Rav Yol Bindun says that here you have um, Micha, who lives in the foothills, and he's, his view that he constantly looks up at is the hills of the Judean hills, the hills from Hebron to Jerusalem. And he almost imagines Hashem descending on the hills, and literally melting those hills. And just like when there is a flood, all the water comes cascading down on the Chalim, he imagines the very hills melting and disintegrating. So that's the first thing we'll say about Micha. What does he talk about? He has certainly attacks the nation for their social crimes, particularly the exploitation of the poor by the wealthy classes. And as we'll see in tomorrow's podcast, this was a period in which people were very, very, so to speak, from, they were very engaged in re religious ritual, but they were thoughtless and insensitive and uncaring about the poor. Point number three. Um, we're going to see that in chapter three, Parak Gimel, 
Uh, Micha's actually going to be remembered and quoted even in the days of Yirmiyahu, a hundred years after he lived. And this is quite a rare case for a Navi, a prophet to be quoted by name in later times. And, you know, we're going to have to wonder what made him so memorable, what made him so indelible, how, how, how he became so, so famous. Four, Micha sympathizes deeply with the plight of the people. In other words, he identifies it. And even in our parak, we'll see Alzot Espadav Elila, Elcha Sholal Va'arum. Because this I will lament and I will wail. I will go naked, stripped. I'm going to howl and make a, a lament like the jackals. The Evel Kibanotia Anna. And I'm going to be mournful like an ostrich, maybe an ostrich who has a bare head. I'm going to shave my head. So what do we see? We see that Micha is sympathetic. He's empathetic. He he might be prophesizing very terrible things, but he's going to cry and he's going to wail and he's going to... The fifth thing I want to mention here is Micha's amazing alliterations. He constantly is alliterating. I'll give you one example from Peret Bet. Alta tifun yatifun, al yatifun la'ela. Or again in Perak Bet, but I'll go back to Perak Aleph in a second. Bayomahu yisale chemashal venaha nehin hiye. Amar shadod nashadunu. Chelek ami yamir ech yamishli le shovev sadenu yichalek. All of these alliterations. In our chapter, he talks about at least 10 cities which are going to be suffering destruction. So he says, for example, begat al tagidu, right? You hear that? Gat tagidu, or al tifkuba beit la ofra afar hit palashi. So ofra afar yatsa yoshevet tsanan, right? The people of tsanan will be yatsa. Batei achziv al achzav, the people of achziv will become like nothing. Or Ratom Amerikava Rechesh Yoshevet Lachish Lachish Rechesh. You hear all the alliterations. Um Yoshevet Marot ki Yaradra Marot Yarad. So Micha has this sort of poetic sense to him, and that's why you really do have to read this in the Hebrew. Um and I think that's a pretty significant uh, you can only appreciate the artistry of this book if you read the Hebrew. But the last thing I'd like to talk about today is actually something from the world of biblical archaeology. When we read uh, Micha, we see that he talks, for example, in Pasuk Yud Gimel about Lachish, and then in Pasuk Tetvav about Maresha and Adulam, and all these places are sort of in the foothills of Jerusalem, just off Route 38. Um, they, they, they're places which are, you know, south of Bet Shemesh, and these were some of the most significant cities of the time. In fact, they say that Lachish was, in fact, the second most important town in Yehuda after Jerusalem. The amazing thing is that, in fact, we have uh, evidence of this from archaeology. There, when the British started uh, excavating in, in Iraq, they excavated the ancient city of Nineveh. And they found Sancherev's throne room in the palace in Ninveh. Between 1845 and 1847, they excavated a man called Austin Henry Lanyard, and he found huge panels, 
if I'm not mistaken, 12 huge panels. They were two and a half meters in height. Um, and the throne room was something about 30 meters in length. He didn't bring it all to London. But in the British Museum today, you can find, I think, eight huge panels, which are called the Lachish um, Relief. And it describes this. It's, it's engraved on plaster. Literally, the, the British, it's unbelievable that they took these things back to London. But you can go to the British Museum and you can see it. And you see a visual depiction of the way that the Assyrians attack the town of Lachish. Uh, you see how they attack it with archers and slingshots and spearmen. And you see the Jewish defenders of Lachish throwing down flaming torches. And then with this siege, they slowly create a, a ramp, a siege ramp, piling tons and tons of stones, bucket after bucket, right? Probably using slaves in order to do this and slowly to create a, a ramp which leads up so that they can use their siege engines now you know it's when they found the relief they, they didn't quite believe that this was the way it had happened but then um Yigal Yadin went and excavated Lachish and they realized that everything that was in the relief really matched they actually found the spears and the cannonballs and everything else in situ on the site and they found the huge ramp that was described in the in the visual relief and you can see in this, the, the, the walls, the, the towers on the wall, and you can see the siege engines, and eventually you see how the defenders start to collapse, and the inhabitants of the city start to flee, and then you start seeing in the relief the, it's literally like uh, images of the, of the story, um, and the city is destroyed and looted by the Assyrians, and eventually Sancherev, the king, sits on his magnificent throne, um, and he's greeted by his commander-in-chief, and he's surrounded by his bodyguards, and there are prisoners in front of him and some of them are kneeling and some of them are bowing down and they're asking for mercy. And, and you see the way that they cruelly beheaded some of the prisoners or even impaled some of the Jews or, or de-skinned them like what they did to Rabbi Akiva. Some people in some descriptions I've seen suggested that when they were trying to discourage um, the defenders of Lachish, they would have like done exactly that. They would have like tortured Jews in public to try and discourage the defenders from fighting back. Whichever way, what you really hear, see here um, is an absolute visual depiction through these Lachish reliefs of the Assyrian attack, exactly what Micha is predicting in exactly the place that Micha is depicting. Sefer Malachim already, already tells us that the Assyrians were in Lachish. But here we see the photo evidence, if you want. So when you're next in London, take a visit to the British Museum and you will be able to see Micha come to life in a visual through the Lachish inscriptions. That's it for today. See you tomorrow.